Jason Kleiner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Indeed, who you thought we were. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse <laughs> Podcast. This is Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Red Seasons Greater. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> embarrassing game against the Panthers for the Skins this week. But other than that, doing great. How are you? Well, kind of lost to the Lions, but uh, that's where we are at. That's what we've become. Uh, with us today, right away at the beginning of the show, to do a hard-hitting dynasty dilemma with us is Mr. Dan Burgundy Hines. You know him, you love him. What's up, Dan? Hey guys, how's it going? I should say, to know him is to love him. Ah, but uh, anyway, I didn't realize I was feeling philosophical today. Must be, uh, must be the dead and green always pulls out the best of me. Um, so, among other things we have going on today. Uh, We'll get to obviously some thoughts on week eleven after the after the dilemma here. Um, some waiver wire recommendations, some sit and start, some dynasty trade analysis, and obviously some IDP sit and start as well. Then we'll get some some ATS picks a little bit later on with Mr. Chuck Podeski. Uh But let's hit this dynasty dilemma. We're pitting Julian Edelman versus Larry Fitzgerald versus uh, Megatron. So a little. Uh, Aging wide receiver dilemma, if you will. Let's get let's get pumped up first though. time to prep for this but uh given given the three choices here i'm actually happy that i landed with edelman because this is actually who i would make my case for as the saint paul fire department drives right by blaring their horns at me here we're not off to a good start (laughs) um so no um i mean where do i start with edelman i mean first He's in the right spot. All Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do is make tiny little white guys that would otherwise be riding on fire trucks across St. Paul into fantasy PPR studs, and you're seeing it with, you know, Danny Amendola now last night. If it's not him, it's Edelman. If it's not Edelman, it's Welker. If it's not them, it's, I don't know, me. I'm 5'9", 170 pounds. I could probably catch 120 balls for him too, you know. So, you know, but – as long as he's in this system, as long as he's got Brady on the hook for a quarterback, you're sitting with the best quarterback um, in the league. He's the youngest guy. Um, let's let's kind of break down the other two candidates. Edelman's been out for a game and a half now. He's still the eighth overall receiver in fantasy points. That's seven spots ahead of Kelvin Johnson. 
Uh, he's the youngest of the bunch. Larry, I mean, where did Larry come from? How did he even get in here? You know, I mean, where have you been for the last five years, Larry? You know, you don't get to just poke your head in and be a part of this conversation all of a sudden, Larry. So I got a problem with Larry. As much as I love the guy, as much as everyone loves the guy, Minnesota guy, you know, has his camp up here. Um, you know, he's a consummate professional, arguably one of the best receivers in the game. And, yes, he does seem to have Carson Palmer back. Lest we forget for the past five years that guy has wallowed in mediocrity with Palmer, without Palmer, rotating all over the place, injury issues at quarterback left and right. Paul, I mean, the odds of this thing even last in the rest of the season, I mean, with without any hiccups, is going to be a small miracle. If you got Larry on your roster right now, congratulations and use him. But I can definitely not feel good moving forward with that situation. 32, all of these guys are on the same lifeline. I feel like Larry can play effectively just as long as Kelvin can at 30 and just as long as Edelman can at 29. He's a slot guy. He's dependent on his quickness. That's going to let off before the size and the speed and the technique of a Kelvin and a Larry Fitzgerald. So while Larry can probably play till he's 36 at a pretty high level, Kelvin till he's 34 or 5, you know, Edelman's going to get to about 33, 34 max, and we're going to see him hit the wall, and they're going to substitute him with their next little white-class cloning thing that Bill Belichick has in his basement, I'm pretty sure of. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, he's consistent, he's dependable, he's arguably the most underrated wide receiver in the game. Um, I kick myself every year for not taking him, and right now he is two spots behind Larry, um, for uh, the top, I think he's number eight, Larry's number six, and Kelvin's number 15, and he's the only one who's missed a game and a half out of this equation. So as far as my money is concerned, as long as he's in, as long as he's got Brady and as long as he's in New England, I'm going to take him. He's the safest with the, with the same upside. And that's my argument. Sorry for my raspy voice. That's okay. Nick, Nick, what do you got for us on uh, on Megatron? Okay, well, I'll start with the low-hanging fruit that is Julian Edelman, who is about the same age as Calvin Johnson. I mean, when you're within one year, it's kind of splitting the there. But can you guess how many 1,000-yard seasons Edelman has? One. He's also seven inches shorter than Megatron. But most importantly, his value is tied to Tom Brady, who's going to be 39 next season. And who knows if he'll be back. If they win the Super Bowl, he could easily go out on top like John Elway, lest he stick around one year too long and look like Peyton Manning did this year. Now, moving on to Larry Fitzgerald. What's the case back? Larry will be 33 years old next year. He's having a very nice season this year. But leading up to this season, he failed to gain 1,000 yards in any of the previous three seasons, despite missing only two games over that span. Fitzgerald also has an older quarterback than Carson Palmer, who as recently as last year dealt with injuries. But the biggest thing that scares me about Larry Fitzgerald is his intelligence. He strikes me from afar, of course. I've never met him. But he strikes me as a guy who's smart enough to walk away from the game before he taints his legacy with subpar play, or even worse, suffers a debilitating injury that could affect his quality of life post-football. Now, Calvin Johnson is 30 years old, but he's only missed five games over the last five years. Many people expect Detroit to part ways with Johnson now this offseason, 
Now, I think a lot of us know the feeling of being at the same job for just too long and have felt invigorated once we finally move on to a new place. And I could see that happening when Calvin Johnson finds a new home. Now, Calvin's on pace for a sixth straight 1,000-yard season. And since he is six foot five and over 230 pounds, even when his speed begins to decline, he still will have success because he knows how to use that large frame of his to shield defenders away from the ball. I mean, just look at Antonio Gates. He's now as slow as some offensive lineman, but he's still producing you know, to me, this argument isn't even close. Give me Megatron all the way. Gosh. Okay. Well, um, so I think Dan answered the question already. He would choose Edelman anyway. Nick, Nick, if you had the option to choose first, would you still take Megatron, it sounds like, as well? Uh, yes, I would have. Okay. Well, I guess I would well, I would have chosen Larry. So we're all in a... All in our own camp here. Um, I think it's a matter of trust. And I know Larry has had some down years, but he's been productive with several different quarterbacks. Nobody else in this equation can say that. Uh, he almost he, he could not elevate Matt Leinert into a competent quarterback, but uh, you can argue through the thick and thin of his career that Larry has always been the number one option uh, in Arizona. But this... This is not about the past. This is about a this is about a quality track record, and on the level of Edelman and Megatron. When you, I think, excuse me, I think he has a quality track record on the level of Edelman and Megatron when you consider age. So Larry is thirty something. Yeah, he's thirty two. He just turned thirty two right before the season, and he has and he's had some down years. However, this season has proven that he is not done or fading away. He will surely break the thousand yard mark again for the seventh time. In 12 years, it does seem kind of obtuse to break break these three statistically down against each other, basically because they are they are all juggernauts with a capital J. So let's let's break it down like this: When Calvin entered the league, anything short of being a top five all-time receiver would have been a disappointment. I mean, you guys remember that he was going to be the next bit best thing, and yet still the Raiders took Jamarcus Russell instead. Excuse me. Uh, and ironically enough, the Raiders also chose Robert Gallery, the pick before Arizona selected Larry Fitzgerald. And even more ironic, when Edelman was drafted in the seventh round, the Raiders had seven different snags at him, or, or stops at him. And uh, ironically, all the players that Atlanta, excuse me, that Oakland drafted in that draft, the 2009 draft for Edelman, was taken in the seventh round. All of those players are no longer on the Raiders' roster, including two wide receivers, one by the name of Darius Haywood Bay and Lewis Murphy. Uh, but that is enough of my mini Raider rant within this dilemma. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Calvin Johnson into the league, becoming anything but a top five all time receiver would have been a disappointment. He was supposed to be the next great wide receiver with a size and ability that was just going to be unmatched. Unfortunately, he ended up in Detroit. While he ha- and while he has been an amazing player, he has certainly not been dominant like Julio or even Randy Moss up to this point. Uh, Edelman came to the NFL as a heady college quarterback. It took him four seasons to establish himself and become a true number one wide receiver. He had to study under Wes Welker and gain the trust of Sir Belichick. Um, and like Nick also did, I want to use the uh, Bill Serby sizes card against Edelman as well. He does he does say that his thing does say he's six feet. I want to say he's probably six feet in cleats, 
Um, and ironically enough, Edelman has also been named Mini Megatron uh, as a play on the Calvin Johnson nickname Megatron. Anyway, Edelman lacks what Edelman lacks in size could prevent him from being a vertical threat in the red zone. Players like LaFell and Gronk are much bigger targets, and ultimately, I feel only limit him as a player and and limit him every single season to be a top ten wide receiver. Uh, Larry has returned to be a top 10 player this year, a top 10 fantasy player, while Edmund's nursing a nasty foot injury. And Calvin might find himself on a new team this offseason. So Larry, I think, honestly, I think Larry can be an elite player for the next two to three years. And I think Dan agreed with me there. And I just don't know if I see that from Calvin Edelman moving forward. So I know he's the older guy in the equation, uh, but... Uh, a wise burgundy once told me never give up on those old guys just because just because they're old. So. Dan, any rebuttal there? <laughs> well, I have to say it's it's funny to me that uh Nick's argument against Fitzgerald is that he's too smart to stick around basically saying that Calvin's dumb enough to. Um so <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I like that argument, you know. Um, I like choosing a guy that's too dumb to walk away, therefore giving you longer, you know, longer production at the position. Um, I also I also love the fact that Edelman, you know, took four years to develop. I think that is even more impressive. I mean, here's a here's a college quarterback that is now a. T- a a perennial soon to be top 10 PPR wide receiver in the national football league. I mean, that's absolutely mind blowing to me. Um, well, well, I agree. Well, I agree that Tom Brady, you know, could walk away. I think that's slim to nil. I think the guy, you know, when you look at him in terms of Peyton Manning, you could see Peyton Manning shit in the bed, you know, halfway through last year and nothing's changed. Tom Brady has everything he's ever had and then some. In fact, he's doing it with a lot less right now than his crack team. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon. I feel more comfortable with Brady quite easily over Palmer or Stafford. The only way Megatron really resurges himself to be in this conversation, in my opinion, is if he can get out of Detroit. I would have loved to see Carolina make a move for him this season. Give up your future at this point. You're 10-0. and 0. You're dominating with defense and a running game. You know, the only thing you're missing is Megatron. That puts you over the top. If I'm Carolina, I'm selling out. What do you want, Detroit? Here it is. You know, and, and I'm happily taking the money, the contract, the player, everything. So, um... I don't know. That's just a few things I wanted to add. Okay. Nick, any other thoughts, sir? Well, first off, I wasn't trying to say Calvin Johnson's dumb because Gerald's <laughs> <laughs> smart. <laughs> but, uh, I you know, people act like Calvin Johnson has been this huge disappointment since his year in 2012 when he had almost 2,000 yards receiving. But the last two years combined, uh, 2013, 2014, he had over 2,500 yards years combined. The 1,077 yards that he had last year, that would be Julian Edelman's career high. So it's not like, I mean, just because he's not putting up all-time great For numbers sure. every single season doesn't mean he's bad. For sure. 
Um, well, I suppose we can throw everybody in the equation here, but I tried to ruffle some feathers, but obviously uh, there's not a Lions fan in the bunch, but uh, by comparing, uh, say, or basically saying earlier that Randy Moss is probably a better player than Calvin Johnson, um, but it got me thinking, uh, this is kind of off, off the subject, if you guys, what, why don't we just go around the room and start with Burgundy, you, so put all three of these players in the equation, and Randy Moss, so four four guys. You got you got one play. You need to throw a thirty yard pass in the end zone. Who do you want? Who do you want, Bernie? I want Randy Moss. I want Randy you by want Randy a Moss. by a large by a large margin. Calvin Johnson second. Okay. And uh, Fitzgerald third. Would, uh, Edelman, yeah, Edelman the distant <laughs> for it. A distant, distant fourth. If we're talking about a jump ball in the end zone, <laughs> not to mention Randy would Randy would moon us afterwards. But uh, Nick, Nick, what do you well, think? Just, yeah, uh, I'd take Edelman on Randy's shoulders. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Dan ranked him perfectly. I would not disagree at one bit with uh, his ranking there. Okay. Well, Dan. Uh, Obviously, huge thanks, and always always great to hear your voice, even if you're not, not feeling the greatest. I, I feel you there. So, but uh, thank you for joining us, and have a happy Thanksgiving, bud. Hey, you too, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. That's right. I did forget to, uh, for t- to forget to tease earlier that, obviously, uh, this is a Tuesday podcast as opposed to our normal Wednesday podcast because of, uh, because of Turkey Day. Um we're not handed out any drumsticks, but this is the awkward time of year where I remind everybody that I am allergic to turkey. In fact, I'm allergic to all poultry. Uh, I cannot eat any birds, which is kind of weird. But uh, And I always have to explain myself this time of year, so I just thought I'd put it out there. Nick, what, are your, what were some of your thoughts on the week 11 that was? Well, first off, I think this AFC wildcard race is going to be very exciting. With six games left, you have Buffalo, the Jets, Miami, Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Oakland, all with between four and six wins. And one of those teams, Kansas City, has won four straight games. Not many people saw that coming after Jamal, Jamal Charles went down with an injury. Uh, now, with Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville all winning games this week, I think it's safe to say the AFC South is not the worst division in football. That would be the NFC East. Washington and Philly getting throttled by Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston combining for 10 touchdowns in those teams. Uh, now, at 3-7, and seven, but with Tony Romo back, I think the Cowboys might be the 5-5 five and five New York Giants' biggest threat in that division. Uh, in three games, we saw teams blow fourth-quarter leads to lesser opponents. He had the Rams giving up 13 points in the fourth quarter to lose 16-13 to 13 to the Ravens. Oakland surrendered nine in the fourth quarter uh, against Detroit, lost 18-13. And if the 6-4 and four Atlanta Falcons miss a wild card by one game, they can look back at this week's 24-21 loss, where they gave up 10 points in the fourth quarter, including an interception return for a touchdown. That, that could be the biggest reason the Falcons lose, miss out on the playoffs. Uh, now, I remember this time last week, there was so much hype about James Starks being the new uh, running back one in Green Bay. Yeah, he had eight carries, 14 yards, while Eddie Lacy looked healthy again, 22 carries for 100 yards. And now, it was also a great Sunday if your initials are J.J. J.J. Watt, eight tackles, two sacks. J.J. Nelson for Arizona, four catches, 142 yards and a score. Uh, Julio Jones and James Jones, both over 100 yards. 
And finally, uh, sitting here on Maui watching games in Chicago, Minneapolis, and New England, God, it looks so cold. It makes me wonder how I survived 35 South Dakota and Idaho winners. So what did you think about this week, Josh? Uh, it is cold. It it hit us like a ton of bricks on Friday with 12 inches of snow, and it hasn't been over 35 degrees since. So, yes, it is cold here. Um, not I got – I don't know if this happens very often, but it, it was just another little little weird stat thing that stuck out, out to me as Doug Martin rushed for over 200 yards, which obviously is something that doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Uh, yet his quarterback still threw five touchdown passes, which is crazy. It just, that's crazy that that can happen for the same offense in the same game. Uh, totally hear what you're saying about Eddie Lacy. Holy cow. He Did he look rejuvenated? He just looked like a guy that took a took a two week vacation and is ready to ready back to hit the books. He just he looked faster than I've ever seen him on a couple of those plays in Minnesota. I was hanging out with my brother in law on Sunday and he's a he's a Packers fan, so I watched a whole lot of that game. The biggest impressions I took away from that were Lacey is back and uh Minnesota needs to draft some offensive linemen right now because Teddy Bridgewater took an absolute beating on Sunday and yet they still put him out there with like two minutes left in the game and they were down by 17 and they were like throwing the ball you know trying to get more points I'm just like this is I mean Teddy was already already carried off the field not carried off the field but already was laying down on the field with injuries twice in this game at one time he went left to go to get some kind of x-ray then he came back after Julius Peppers fell on his shoulders oh man they need they need help they need help if they're going to, I mean, and they're still a really good team, and which would be scary if they actually had somebody that could block for him. But uh, Green Bay attacked him in many different ways, and, uh, yeah, it was it was brutal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that was really my, my only impressions. That was the game I, I unfortunately watched the most of. Raiders weren't, uh, weren't on TV here, and I didn't look like I wanted to watch that game any, anyway. Uh, big, big, Congratulations to our friend of the podcast, uh, Sonia Greenfield, on her Lions again another another win. Even though Oakland still has more wins than that, but uh, Nick, who should we claim on the waiver wire this week? Well, starting in Baltimore with uh, Justin Forsett out, at least the rookie Buck Allen is the number one running back in Baltimore, backed up by Terrence West. Uh, Joe Flacco is also out for the year, of course. Uh, so that leaves, I think, Matt Schaub is the only quarterback on the roster. I'm sure they're going to add somebody. And you got to figure at three and seven. I don't know how long the Ravens are going to stick with an aging quarterback like Matt Schaub. So if they had a younger guy, that would probably be the guy you'd want to look at long term. Uh, J.J. Nelson had 100 yards coming in, had under 100 yards all season coming into last week. So he probably only has value if Michael Floyd continues to miss more time in Arizona. Now, in two quarterback leagues, I think Nick Foles probably starts if Case Keenum misses time with the concussion he started. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw had two touchdowns last week. If he flew under the radar somehow in your league, he's definitely worth an add. Now, you look at uh, the Panthers and Cam VP Newton threw touchdowns to five different players last week. So if you're desperate, I think Ted Ginn and Jericho Cotchery could be decent flyers. And in redraft leagues, uh, Devin Funches still might be out there. Now, all that being said, I didn't. I don't plan on making any claims personally this week. Uh, not a lot of big names out there. I am glad that I outbid you last week for Tony Ely, though, Josh. He had a sack, forced fumble, and the fumble recovery trifecta for me. Not enough to get me the win in DFW 16, but still a good game from him. 
And two more real quick. I think the rookie first-round pick, uh, defensive end Eric Armstead, is in line to start in San Francisco now with Glenn Dorsey out for the year. And if uh, Aaron Dobson and Amendola's injuries are serious, then I think New England's wide receiver Chris Harper looks like the next man up. That might be another guy to keep an eye on. Okay. Um, uh, Redraft leagues, and I only know this because I I drafted him a few weeks ago, Thomas Rawls. uh, Sounds like... uh, Marshawn could be done for the rest of the regular season, or at least the regular fantasy season. So, uh, yes, spend all your dollars on Thomas Rawls if he gets available. Uh, Devin Funches is another guy out there. Um, I've noticed some people, some Jalen Strong's been dropped in a couple dynasty formats too. People are dropping rookie wide receivers, and you have roster spots. And or you're real rebuilding, you can dump off a dump off a, an older guy. Definitely, definitely go for that. Um, yeah, that's that's re- that's really all I had. That's um, you, you had enough, you had a lot of good ones there too. Um, other other quarterbacks potentially. I I think Case Keenum, if he if he is healthy, I think he could do some better things given some time in that offense. So um, if you claimed him, maybe not drop him right away because it sounds like St. Louis will. Just want to make it work with him. Um, if Blaine Gabbert's still available, it sounds like well, Ka- Kaepernick's been officially eliminated for the year, so he, he's he's a safe play. He's with a desperate play, but he's a safe play for the rest of the year there. So, oh, Nick got me thinking the other day via text as people are trying to pry Mr. David Johnson away from him. Nick, so what? Inquiring minds want to know what exactly would it take to get David Johnson away from you? Well, I'll start with the trades that I turned down. Uh, Johnson for John Brown and a third-round pick, uh, David Johnson and Alfred Morris, and a third-round pick for Russell Wilson and Deshaun Jackson, and then uh, David Johnson for Tom Brady, John Brown, and a fourth-round pick. Now, the team that I'm, that I'm working with here is a very solid team. I'm 8-3, and three, number one, uh, sole possession of first place in a 12-team league. Uh, and I have Cam Newton and Marcus Mariota, so I don't need a quarterback. I've got Gronk and uh, Jason Witten at tight end, so I'm set there. I don't have the greatest receiver depth. Uh, Ruben Randall, Doug Baldwin, Pierre Garçon, Marcus Colston, all of these guys are rotating in and out. But I do have Antonio Brown as my wide receiver one, so that helps to compensate for that week a little bit. Uh, but my running back situation uh, looking forward in 2016 and beyond is pretty shaky. Uh, DeMarco Murray's probably going to be okay, but Alfred Morris, Ronnie Hillman, Arian Foster, I don't feel comfortable counting on any of those guys. That leaves me with only David Johnson and Carlos Williams as my RB2, and I don't have a first-round pick in that league to grab a rookie running back. Now, I think if somebody offered me a true wide receiver two, I might consider it, but I'd rather get another young running back and a wide receiver three. But you know what? I value David Johnson more than I think most of the fantasy community does, so I just don't foresee getting an offer that I would take right now for, for David Johnson. Hmm. I should ask Burgundy this question, too, because I know, I know he, along with many people here at DFW, are pretty high on him. But... Uh... Two first-round picks? I should take two first-round picks? It'd be kind of hard to turn that Yeah, around, I, 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 I would you. take two first-round picks. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not offering. I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have that ammunition anywhere, but, uh, yeah. I thought. And, yeah, I, I still – I hear you, too. I still think he's got a great future, and I think, uh, like I said to you the other day, maybe people are seeing – Ellington, you know, getting more playing time and thinking might be a little, a little, you know, not so high on Johnson anymore. But uh, he's he's certainly a hold. He's 
it might be the only third running back on a team right now worth holding on to for dear life. But you gotta you gotta realize he's young and he's got a he's got a whole career ahead of him. So David Johnson you can get him right now. Like I said, when people are potentially down on him, I would certainly do it. I think the people that have him are probably smart enough to to be patient with him. But uh, uh, certainly looks to have looks to have a bright future there. So. Remember David Johnson even redraft next year. He could be a he could be a monster. Um, let's get to some sitter start, Nick. What do you think? Let's do. Uh, I thought we have a little fun since it's Turkey Day. Um, maybe we could hand out, so to speak, drumsticks here. But uh, what I want you to pick a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver on Thanksgiving. So basically, you know, which you know it is sit or start, but uh, what. Which one of these guys is going to score, you know, the most? You know, we got some great picks for Thanksgiving. We got Aaron Rodgers, Camp Newton, Tony Romo, Jake Cutler, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford. Oh wait, uh, Mark Sanchez maybe. Sounds like Bradford's going to play. But uh, what, do you, what do you think about? Let's just start with quarterback. What do you think about who's going to score the most points on Turkey Day? Well, it's tempting to go with Aaron Rodgers at home, but did you know that in Green Bay's final eight games last year, including the playoffs, Green Bay only scored more than 30 points one time? So that scares me a little bit. I think I'm going to go with uh, my MVP candidate, Cam Newton, in Dallas, where the weather is less likely to be a factor. I haven't seen the forecast, but it is it has been a brutal beginning to the winter there in the Midwest. So, you know, Cam Newton's been just so consistent this year. He's got multiple scores, if you include rushing touchdowns, in every game since week two. And he's been red hot the last three games. Uh, 297 yards and three scores versus Green Bay. Then he completed 80% of his passes against Tennessee the following week. And, of course, his five touchdowns last week. So, yeah, I'll, keep, I'll continue to roll with Cam Newton. I want to go Jay Cutler so bad, but I'm going to – I think Matthew Stafford might come out of this thing with, with the most points just because we know that – we know that Philadelphia offense leaves a lot of a lot of time left on the clock, so I just think opportunity might uh, might be there for him, and I think it could be a shootout that early game. So that'll be fun to watch. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. What do you think about running back? Well, if you look at the stat sheets, only one matchup features a running back that had over 100 yards last week against a defense that allowed a 100-yard rusher last week. So I'll take Eddie Lacy against the Bears. Uh, that defense gave up 102 yards to Ronnie Hillman. Uh, now, Darren McFadden's having a great season in Dallas, but they play Carolina. Carolina only gave up 14 yards rushing last week. Matt Jones and Alfred Morris combined for seven carries and zero yards against that team. So I would hesitate to play McFadden. The matchup looks great for the Detroit running backs, but they've just been so disappointing all season long, I'd have a hard time trusting them. So I'll, I'll go with Eddie Lacy, even though he's had a rough year up until last week. Uh, I'm going to go with Langford. I think you know, while this is his first game in Green Bay, I don't think he's going to be bothered from being a Michigan State guy. I don't think he's going to be bothered by – uh, by the cold or anything, and uh, he seems to be playing really well right now. He's just totally filling that Matt Forte role uh, to a T. It's not; it's not, hasn't been absolute perfection, but he 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 is doing an excellent job there. So I'm going to go with uh, go with Lankford, and I kind of expect this game to be a shootout too. I would say if there's going to be the the low scoring game, I think it's going to be the the Carolina one, but I only think that's because Dallas probably won't score a lot of points. But uh, um, 
I was going to try to figure out last time we've had an undefeated team on Thanksgiving, but I couldn't. So somebody should figure that out and post it on Twitter and give me partial credit. Uh, wide receiver. A lot, lot of guys to choose from here, Nick. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I think it has to be Calvin Johnson versus the Eagles defense. They gave up five touchdowns, not just to, not to an MVP candidate like Cam Newton, but they gave up five passing touchdowns to rookie Jameis Winston last week. Uh, you look at Des Bryant, he's got a space to shut down cornerback Josh Norman. Alshon Jeffries been hurting. Philadelphia, Carolina, and Green Bay spread the ball around quite a bit. But in Detroit, it's pretty much just Megatron and Golden Tate. That's it. So I'll take Calvin Johnson in what could be his last Thanksgiving game if he ends up leaving Detroit in the offseason. Um, I, I'm not going to fault you or yelling, yell at you for doing that, but I think that's just too easy. I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go, uh, Randall Cobb. I know Chicago knows him, but there is so much inexperience in that Chicago defense right now. And while they get to match up with like a, a nice big vertical target, Alshon Jeffrey in practice every week, there is not anybody on their scouts. You know, you could say Brandon or Eddie Royal, but there is not anybody on their scout team that can play Randall Cobb, and that that's I think it's just going to be it's going to be brutal. I think they they have a nice equation. They have they have like I said the you know the experience against the Jeffrey to to eliminate James Jones in certain aspects of the game, but uh, Randall Cobb and I said I know I focused on the game a lot last weekend but uh he he is playing some great ball he's just he's just running super super crisp routes and shaking off defenders i i think minnesota's got a great secondary he had a hell of a game against them making some nice moves and i i don't think chicago has an answer for him i think he is the x factor i wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets a couple hundred yards and uh two touchdowns um speaking did I say a couple hundred yards? A hundred yards and two touchdowns. A um, couple hundred, sure, why not? But anyway, speaking of just me throwing stats out, I do I do want to mention that I said uh, if Brock Osweiler throws for two over two hundred and or two hundred fifty yards and a pair of touchdowns, that should be you know enough to keep him keep the job. And he actually threw for two hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns in that game. So I was. Uh, Pretty impressed by him last week. Any, any impressions there on Mr. Osweiler against Chicago? I know it wasn't the greatest defense to gauge against Nick, but do you think, you think that looked all right there? Yeah, definitely looked solid. I mean, he didn't set the world on fire. It wasn't a 380-yard, five-touchdown type of game. But, yeah, he definitely looked uh, confident and played a lot better than Peyton Manning has this year so far. So probably his job to lose at this point. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy to consider that, but that's how uh, – how the mighty have fallen. Um, what? Okay, moving on. Kind of a pick theme here for sit or start. But, uh, you know, you can take this with the daily angle or whatnot. But uh, we're awful, you know, touching on some guys that uh, could be potential matchups for you. But what do we think about picker? I think we did this maybe last time they played. But uh, why don't we pick a running back in the Giants at Washington game this weekend? Well, you look at last week, and two of the five touchdowns given up through the air by the Washington defense went to running backs. So I'd feel comfortable with Shane Vereen because he catches so many passes for the Giants. Uh, Rashad Jennings is also a pretty nice play, though. Uh, as far as the Redskins running backs are concerned, I think I'd go with Chris Thompson, the third down back, over both Morris and Jones pretty much this week and every week. I mean, 
just turnover-prone offense, there's always a good chance this team's going to be playing from behind. So, But uh, definitely uh, out of the, this bunch, I would go with Vereen this week. You're definitely not overzealous about Alf Morris getting 100 yards a couple of weeks ago, huh? Just don't <laughs> just don't see that happening. I I see a beat up Giants defense, and I and I think I think I, I think you got to go with a wily vet like Morris in a in a game like this. Um, Washington may actually lead this game, Nick, and lead and lead it the whole way. So I think that could be to to their advantage. Um, I totally hear what you're saying about Vereen, and if he would be the only person on the team I would trust. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago as we saw, you know, the Giants give give each of their running backs at least six carries, just trying to trying to find something. So who knows? You know, I mean, you know, Andre Williams could have six carries for seven yards and a touchdown. But uh, I think if you if we're talking PPR, Vereen's definitely the definitely the safest play, and that's. That's a really scary thing to say about Vereen, considering the, the just the way he's been throughout his uh, career, no matter what team he's been on. Um, Thompson could could catch some balls, but I just I think the game flow is going to be a little bit different there, Nick. I think uh, I need to look up what. Well, you think Eli's got historically got decent numbers at Washington? Do, 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 would you, if you were to guess, Nick, do you think he does okay at Washington? Uh, if I were to guess, I would say, yeah. It seems like the Giants usually have had our number in recent years. Okay. Well, let's get to one true sit to start of here. Uh, Amari Cooper, who was held to one catch for four yards last week, uh, had to endure that myself. Or Martavius Bryant at Seattle. So Martavius, excuse me, Amari Cooper at Tennessee or Martavius at Seattle. What do you think, Nick? Well, uh, real quick, uh, last year when the Giants played at Washington, they won 45-14. I'm not sure what Eli's stats were there, but it was a blowout win for sure. Uh, moving on <laughs> to this question, Larry, though. Wasn't that the Larry Donnell oh, game? That was the Larry Donnell game, and I believe that was also the Kirk Cousins four-interception game, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Ooh, anyway, I, I want to say he threw five touch, five interceptions, but anyway, it doesn't Might have been, I don't know. <laughs> but all, all, all his turnovers are just starting to blend together. Anyway, Amari Cooper at Tennessee or Martavis Bryant at Seattle. Uh, Cooper last week only one catch for four yards. This Oakland offense just appears to be in a funk right now. So I'm going to go with Martavis Bryant. I think Pittsburgh's going to move Antonio Brown around quite a bit. I think that's going to attract enough attention away from Bryant that he's able to find the end zone. Now, this is provided that then Big Ben Roethlisberger plays. If Roethlisberger's out, then I would switch to Cooper. But I think Ben will play. So go, go with Bryant. Okay. Well, I didn't find just at Washington, but uh, in his career, Eli is 16-6 and six versus the Redskins. Uh, 18 TDs. Why do they not have – oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, excuse me, 25 interceptions, 18 TDs. Only, uh, only Eagles and Cowboys have picked him off more than uh, – than uh, the Giants. Excuse me. Yeah, then Washington. Excuse me. Um, I, this Tennessee defense is, I mean, I know they're two and whatever, but this Tennessee defense is just young and, and very good and very, very underappreciated. Um, but I think Cooper, I think Cooper can give them, give them a piece of what, what they have. And I just, you know, the other, the other matchup in the, in the Martavius versus Washington game is, 
who the hell is going to stop Antonio Brown? I know this is a great secondary in Seattle, but I mean, you know, you like to think, you know, in certain aspects, people have height advantage, but I, that's, that's certainly, I think Brown has the has the advantage in this game being shorter. I don't know if if Richard Sherman can actually match that. I think he'll torch Kerry Williams, and I don't know if Earl Thomas can, you know, Earl Thomas can maybe try to help, but that's not going to be an all-day thing. So I, I think I think they'll actually shut down Martavius because uh, Big Ben will just be feeding Antonio Brown the whole game. We, we've seen that happen too. So, but I think I think Cooper makes a couple big plays in this game. So I'm going to go with uh, Amari Cooper. Um, moving forward, I, I just I just could not stand Amari Cooper's one catch for four yards last week. That was it was four targets, but that was. Um, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. One moment here. Time for dynasty trade analysis. one. I thought this was an interesting one to bring up because it sounds like obviously a rebuilding move, but somebody gave up a late 2016 first round pick and received Duke Johnson and Philip Dorsett. What do you think there, Nick? Oh, I I think this is a great trade. Uh, Giving up, like you said, a late first round pick. It'd be different if you were picking early in the first round, but a late first round pick for two guys who probably were late first round picks themselves in this previous year's rookie draft. So I, I think that's a skill, really. I, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. Sure. Um, yeah, I think it's a great trade. Um, obviously, you know, if you're if you're in the run or whatever, and you if you're in in the playoff contention here, and you get a first-round pick for a couple of young players, I can't I can't fault the person for doing that. You know, maybe you're you know lucky enough to be stacked at both running back and wide receiver. I've got to say I would be uh, very fortunate. I would feel very fortunate if you are in that situation. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a nice solid trade there. So, uh, yeah, it's, one, it you know, when you're rebuilding, you can't necessarily always just accept picks from people because you don't know how those picks are going to pan out. But if you already get two guys that already, you know, have experience under their belt, I think, I think there is certainly going to be a role for Doris Ed, even though he's out for the year. Certainly going to be a role for him in Indianapolis next year, and uh, Duke Johnson could be our RB one there, even though it is Cleveland next year. So, uh, a big one here, and uh, I kind of go back and forth, Nick, on this one. But uh, let's just spell it out here: Jamal Charles, Demarius Thomas, Amari Cooper, and a late 2016 first for Adrian Peterson, Odell Beckham Jr., and an early 2016 first. What do you think there, but? Well, I'll break it down. Uh, let's say Jamal Charles for Adrian Peterson. That's about a push. I'd say their value is pretty even right now. Uh, Peterson's a little bit older. Charles coming off the injury. So then you look at uh, you got Odell Beckham for Demarius Thomas and Amari Cooper, and then you just move down a little bit. So I think this is a 
a steal for the guy who picked up Demarius Thomas and Amari Cooper, basically for Odell Beckham and then moving down. I'm not sure how many slots early first, late first. It's too early to determine that, of course. But, yeah, I mean, you picked up two good young receivers, uh, Amari Cooper, you know, about the same age as Odell Beckham, I would guess. Demarius Thomas, he's not approaching 30 yet. So, yeah, I think this is a great trade to move down a little bit in the draft and pick up two studs. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just really like Amari Cooper in this equation. Beckham's been great. Um, and so, the, you know, that I think they maybe cancel each other out, but you're getting Demarius, and that's a little bit, a little bit different because you don't, you know, obviously, with without Manning being at the peak of his his game and obviously jobless right now, we'll see. But uh, yeah, just an just an interesting trade there. You get you get Jamal, Demarius, Amari Cooper, and and a and a and a pick, and uh, you know you have to you do give up Odell and and a Beck, Odell Beckham AP and an early first rounder, but I think that's a fairly decent trade there. So, um, what do we think about some IDPs to them start up here now? This is a Mar- uh, Khalil Mack, the defensive end, or Vic Beasley, the defensive end. So we got Khalil Mack at Tennessee or Beasley at the Vikings. What do you think? Nick? Well, if you look at uh, Vic Beasley, he hasn't gotten a sack since week three, and he hasn't had multiple tackles in any of the last three weeks. And he's facing the more experienced quarterback. I know Bridgewater gave up a lot, or the Vikings gave up a lot of sacks last week. I think Bridgewater was sacked six times, but still, he is more experienced than uh, Mariota. So I think I'm going to have to go with Khalil Mack. I, I, I'd be worried a little bit that we're seeing the rookie wall effects right now on Beasley. So yeah, Matt Mack's having a pretty good year. I'd go with him. Uh, yeah, Mack had a very good bounce back week too. After also had to defend him last week, and I think. I think we could see more of that, but watching that Minnesota offensive line, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Beasley has a huge breakout game and uh, gets, you know, gets like two or three sacks. I, I would not be surprised at all. I think uh, I think Dan Quinn will uh, maybe move him around a little bit and try to keep this team off balance, you know, and uh, – they do have Matt Khalil as kind of an anchor, but he played with a toe injury last week. It was clear he probably shouldn't have been out there. Uh, other side, they got T.J. Clemmings, uh, who is who is a rookie who's playing okay, but he's still uh, still a little bit in in over his head. I think you're going to see him maybe shift to guard next year because I just don't know if he's ready to be a tackle at the NFL level quite yet. So I'm going to go Beasley. I think uh, I think there's just a little more of a it's more of a sexy pick, but I think you're gonna. I think it's gonna be a sack city there. And uh, oof, I do not. I do not have high hopes for the Vikings in this game, even though it's Atlanta. But uh, Atlanta, I think Atlanta's gonna be uh, very fortunate in this game. A uh, couple rookie linebackers: Stefan Anthony at Houston or Eric Kendricks at Atlanta. What do you think there, Nick? Well, I look at a projected game flow in this game. Now, the inside linebackers' tackle numbers can be dependent on opponents running the ball. Now, with Freeman getting hurt in Atlanta, I think uh, they may throw the ball more than normal. You look at last week, 24 rushes, 46 passes, and that was in a game they led going into the fourth quarter, whereas Houston ran the ball more than they threw last week, 37 rushes to only 35 passes. So I'll take Stephon Anthony. I think both of them are pretty good options, but Anthony's probably got the better tackle numbers, and he's facing the worst quarterback, so he's got the probably higher chance at a random interception as well. 
Yeah, I, I, this is a tough one because you just don't know. I mean, there's a little bit up in the air, obviously. Uh, Devontae Freeman's under concussion protocol right now. And, you know, they tried to give Coleman a, a whole bunch of carries and he didn't do a whole lot in Atlanta. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Carolina because I, I think – Excuse me. I'm going to go with with Kendricks. I think he, I think he might might be a better a, a better fit, just because this Atlanta offense really does really try to keep it balanced, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be asked to do a little bit more. And I I know he's coming off an injury, played okay last week, but uh, I think uh, where you know Anthony's probably outperformed him up to this point in the season, uh, which is surprising to me but uh, I think I think Kendricks could be uh turning the corner and making making a whole lot of plays here uh in the near future there for uh these uh Minnesota Vikings so I I, I like him he he uh like I said looked okay last week but uh, I think he's going to be ready to turn the corner this week uh ha ha Clinton Dix versus the Bears or Kirk Coleman versus Dallas a couple a couple turkey day games here what do you think there Nick uh, I'm going to go with Taha Clinton Dix. Just feels like a safer play to me. Uh, Coleman has yet to surpass five solo tackles in a game all year, but Taha Clinton Dix only has two games this season under five solo tackles. And while Coleman does have four interceptions to Clinton Dix's two picks, uh, one would think that Jay Cutler on the road is more likely to throw interceptions than Tony Romo at home, especially on Thanksgiving when Dallas typically plays well. So I'm going to go with Taha Clinton Dix. Okay. Yeah. This is a this is a case of uh, the uh, the sexy waiver ad over the last couple of weeks in Kirk Coleman or uh, or Ha Ha Clinton Dix who uh, actually last week was leading all defenders in snap count percentage. This week he's dropped a little bit, but he still played in ninety nine point six percent of the Green Bay Packers defensive snaps this season. So uh, that smells like opportunity to me, don't you think, there, Nick? <laughs> oh, that's. That I didn't even look at Kirk Coleman's, but I can guarantee anybody it's probably not not that high. Um, Coleman has come on the last couple of weeks and has made some big plays, but uh, you're not you're not guaranteed to get that interception every week. And like Nick said, with uh, with a guy like Dix, who who's Quentin Dix, who's you know maybe not a an every week start your stud type of player. Uh, he wasn't at least up till this point of the season. I think he's slowly developing into that, and he obviously is needed for this Green Bay team. I don't know a lot of that has to do with Morgan Burnett missing a lot of time early on, but he is a, is a quality player on this defense, and uh, he's uh, got got that opportunity out there in front of him. So, uh, what uh, Nick wanted? To, let's get to a segment. Excuse me, that we'd like to call Nick Rant. It's where I give my co-host. Nick, the floor to kind of rant about something that's bothering him on his mind. And, um, you know, sometimes it's controversial. Uh, sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Uh, and sometimes it's also about Johnny Manziel. And this happens to be another one of those times. Can you believe Johnny Manziel is under criticism yet once again? Wasn't, wait, wasn't he just named their, their starter, Nick? Oh, but, oh, Johnny Manziel had a bye week. Note to the NFL, do not give Cleveland any bye weeks as long as Johnny Manziel is there. What do you got for us, Nick? 
Well, first off, this is going to be more of a mini rant. It's completely unscripted. I just saw the story this morning, but uh, appears the Cleveland's now thinking about benching Johnny Manziel because he went out to a club during the bye week. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's not on probation. He's not in the NFL's drug policy, um, you know, supervision banning him from drinking. I know he went to rehab during the offseason, but I'm pretty sure that was a self-imposed move. So why so you're going to bench him now just for going out to a club? I'm pretty sure half the NFL should be benched if uh, going to a club during the bye week is benchable offense. You know, he didn't get pulled over for your DUI. Uh, there weren't reports of his entourage beating a bunch of people up at the club. He was just going out, having a good time, like a lot of guys in their early 20s are wanting to do. I, I just don't understand why you're going to bench him for this. Uh, I, I, it blows my mind. Just another crazy story out of Cleveland. What, what do you think about this story, Josh? Well, I haven't had a chance to read too much about it. Um, but I would imagine, given the uh, Johnny Menzel and his past and what what has gotten him in trouble before, they maybe have a, a special set of rules that just apply to Johnny Menzel in order just to keep him... Uh, under wraps, and it sounds like he, he he maybe broke some of these rules, and maybe that's why that's why this is a, a such a big deal. But um, and I agree. I mean, it's 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 you know you can't trying to think of a really bad metaphor, but nothing's coming to mind. You can't you can't walk a sow in a field with a bunch of or wait, you can't walk a boar in the field with a bunch of sows and not expect somebody to get screwed because you know what I mean? It's just, a, it's a temptation thing. I mean, it's just like, yeah, maybe he wasn't doing anything bad, but when he's been in these situations in the past, things have happened, you know, white stuff has been pouring on tables and straws have come out or whatever. You know, I'm not saying he did anything like that, but I'm just saying we've seen the photos we've seen, you know, it looks like his life is spring break all the time. And we, we, and I think Cleveland is certainly trying to keep that under wraps. And, you know, this is on the heels of Cleveland naming him their, their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. They say, I mean, they were basically coming out and saying that we're committed to him. You know, we want to let him grow finally. And it just seems like he's not, not taking that opportunity like he should. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in alcohol and other recreational drugs certainly affect your judgment in your response time. And, you know, if I'm in a, in a division or a, a, a league that features such guys like JJ Watt, you know, young guys like that, Julius Peppers, I mean, all kinds of just crazy pass rushers that have a lot more speed than they used to, uh, you know, than they did 10 years ago. I, I, I don't think I want anything affecting my judgment. You know, I think if I was an NFL player, yeah, it seems like you're just hanging out and having a beer and relaxing, but I think I would want to be, um, especially if I was given an opportunity and considering the fact that I maybe am a fringe player to be a starter every single year, I think I would address that situation differently. Obviously, Johnny Manziel is a different kid. You know, he's you could say he's born with the silver spoon or whatnot, but uh, he's had a different life, and he doesn't maybe hasn't been aware of the opportunities that are presented to him, and he hasn't obviously been fully uh, thankful. There's a Thanksgiving to his story. He hasn't been fully thankful of all that he has received throughout his life and his career up to this point, and he's just 
again, not making the right decisions. I just don't, I just don't get it at all. You know, in Major League Baseball, they a lot of teams have alcohol in the clubhouses so they can, you know, unwind after the game. I totally disagree with that. I think it affects your judgment. Not only is that going to, you know, not be good for your team and maybe not make you're not going to make the right plays here and there, um, but you could also get injured. I mean, it's just it's just a matter of matter of that. I mean, so yes, I guess the moral of the story is, is what I'm saying is if I was a professional athlete, I don't think I would even drink alcohol because I would just want to be so focused on on what I could do and. Uh, the opportunity, and I'm, obviously, I'm not in that situation, so I can't say that for sure. And I'm not, uh, I'm not making that kind of coin either. So, you know, it's it's the temptation thing when you get, you know, you get all that money and you're young. Obviously, you want to go out and celebrate it. But uh, yeah, not not the best situation there for Mr. Johnny Menzel. We have a, a handful and, and, of minutes uh, here before. Go ahead. Real quick, I just want to say I'm not a Johnny Manziel fan. I don't even think he should be in the league, period. But, you know, if you're going to name him your starter, and it's not like he showed up for for practice hungover or team meetings, you know, still drunk or anything like that. This was his off week, the bye week, his his personal time. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. And and that's maybe what I I was missing there, too, with my my, uh, rant myself is, you know, he's given this off week to – to basically do whatever, you know, whether you want him in the team facilities or not. And if you want him to do that, you need to tell him to do that because obviously he is uh, he's going to do his own thing. Yeah, well, that's certainly uh, certainly where we are at him, with him. So um, we've got a handful of minutes before Mr. Chuck Podeski, um joins us. So we're going to listen to what DFW can do for you if you become an insider. Uh, but I also want to tease it when we come back that I'm going to give Nick a little trivia test on the fly. Um, and, Nick, I'll preface it with this. Um, I think we can both be in agreement that uh, the Johnny, or excuse me, the Robert Griffin tenure in, Dow- in Washington is done. So the trivia question will be about Robert Griffin during his career in Washington. So uh, do what you need to do to get, to get thinking about that. And my computer is not playing. Okay, let's do the trivia question first. Sorry, you don't have any time to you don't have any time to prep. But my, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Nope, computer's not working. Sorry, no time for prep, Nick. Trivia question. Are you ready, Robert Griffin? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Sorry. So Robert Griffin has thrown forty. TD pass a short NFL career, Nick, for the Washington Redskins. Can you name the uh, 12 different players that have caught a touchdown pass from Robert Griffin III? Uh, Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, um, tight end Paulson, I'm sure he's one of them. Um yeah. Wow, this is a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, Andre Roberts, probably. No. Wow, that's surprising. He's a sure bust. Um, God, it seems like DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is oh, very excited crap. to announce our insider membership. Sorry. For just twenty nine ninety nine per year, you get the insider membership plus our rookie draft kit. 
I'm sorry about that. My computer froze, and I just decided to start playing that when I came back. Uh, what, oh. what do you got? Silly technology. Um, uh, Roy Hallou probably was one. Yep. Um, Niles Paul. Yep. And uh, other than that, I don't think I could tell you. Fill me in. Who am I? Did you say? Did you say Santana Moss? Oh no, I didn't. How could I forget Mr. Santana? Yeah, Santana actually has the most. Santana has eight. Um, Pierre Garçon has six. This next one surprised the hell out of me. He had five. Uh, Aldrich Robertson? Uh, Robinson, did you say that one? Aldrich Robinson? Uh, I did not. I forgot Aldrich Robinson was a thing. Was he there one year, but he caught five touchdown passes? Uh, Logan Paulson? You got yep, that I got one. Him. Leonard Hankerson? Oh, I forgot Hank. Uh, Jordan Reed, he had three. Darrell yeah. Young had three. Deshaun Jackson actually only had two. Um, and the other, two more I think you forgot. Uh, Josh Morgan had two. Mm-hmm. Roy Hulu actually only had one, as well as Niles Paul. And uh, Chris Thompson actually caught one from him, too, uh, last year. He only had six catches last year, but one of them happened to be a uh, a touchdown catch from Mr. Uh, Mr. Robert Griffin III. So he did pretty good. I think he missed. What, I think he got eight of the twelve. That's not bad. Yeah, about a little over half, I think. A little dis a little disappointed to miss Santana Moss, but we'll get over it. So let's see right, if so uh, twenty twenty twelve seems like decades ago <laughs> as best as they are now. <laughs> oh yes. Let's listen to what DFW DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is very excited to announce our insider membership. For just $29.99 per year, you get the Insider Membership plus our Rookie Draft Kit. Insider Membership itself is $24.99, just the Rookie Guide is $9.99. DFW is where Dynasty Football is a way of life. You can dominate your league for only $2 a month. Membership includes all access to Insider Articles, Dynasty, Redraft, Daily, IDP, which is over 1,000 articles per year, up to three a day on average. Includes Dynasty Expert Rankings, Updated Monthly, Average Draft Position Data, 2015 Projections, In-Season Weekly Rankings and Management, Rookie Draft Room, and so, so much more. 24-7 access to DFW staff via email for roster management advice, trades, drafts, rebuilds, waivers, commission assistance, advice for bylaws, scoring, and set up on new leagues on MLF. The 2015 Rookie Guide is $10 a la carte or $5 when bundled with the Insider Membership with the PDL emailed to you. Expanded in 2015 to include more players, the top 10 IDP, all crisply summarized with keynotes on every player and their background, main stats, strengths, weaknesses, and key college stats. 143 skill position, 106 page PDF, 41,000 words of rookie insight, plus 100 hours of research, analyzed and boiled down for your NFL draft day enjoyment. Combines all recaps from skill positions at the combine, includes guide along updates after the NFL draft, adjustments made through training camp and preseason. All three membership options will get you entered into the multiple DFW contests and giveaways. Each will enter you into a, a raffle for a brand new iPod, which will be given away during halftime of Super Bowl 50 via third-party security raffle. 
you will get entry into DFW Week 1 Free Roll Tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings, where you, the winner will receive $200. You will also gain entry into the DFW Survivor Contest, where over the course of the 2015 season, the last team standing will also receive $200. Again, very excited to introduce the DFW Insider Membership, just $30 a year. Okay, that uh, that's just a handful of the many things that we offer. But uh, you know, me and Nick have been here for about approaching a year, actually, in in, in February now, and we we've come to to gather and and know all the people here on staff, and we we just have a, such a, a knowledgeable staff. And you're you're gonna when you get that membership, you're gonna find that out, especially in the off season with all the. Uh, with all the player breakdowns that we do and all that, all that type of stuff, um, it's going to be, uh, it's, we, we get you prepared so, so well. And, you know, even if, even if we're not, you know, as high on some of the prospects, you know, as, as some of the guys that actually pan out, it's, it's okay. We're, 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 we really look at it and we're going to give you, we're going to give you a, a no, uh, no BS approach. We're going to give you the good, and we're going to give you the bad that we see and whatnot. So uh, let's. Uh, um, my computer is failing me miserably right now. Uh, Chuck should be joining us here in a few uh, few minutes. There, um, Nick, you want to you want to you want to guess while my computer loads what the what the line should be on uh, Detroit. Philadelphia. Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's a rough game. I don't know if I want to wake up at seven thirty in the morning to watch this one, but I don't know. I'll say Philly by one and a half. I think Detroit actually might be favored. As my computer so ever ever slowly gets there. Um, I want to say it was three when I saw it the other day. Sweet. Oh, this is this is not good. What's well, going on the for Red Turkey Hot Day? Detroit Lions. <laughs> yes. What's going on for Turkey Day in Hawaii, Nick? Is there any anything fancy going on there? Uh well I think my roommate and I are gonna have a little uh, poke buffet here at the house while we hang out and drink beer and watch football. Uh, hopefully I'm not gonna get suspended from the show for having a few beers on the day off, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I I I drink enhancement during the during the show, so I I don't know if I passed the league <laughs> substance abuse policy or not. So, um, and just so I am when I I know to be ultimately jealous when you say poke, you're talking about like tuna, right? Uh, yeah, probably some tuna or rahi poke. I'll probably have some taco poke or octopus. Um, yeah. But you're talking Probably's like nice stuff. fat. Nice fat tuna belly, huh? Oh yeah, that's for sure. Did you say Philadelphia by one and a half? Is that what you said? That was my guess, just totally off the top of my head. But no, that's actually that's actually what it was yesterday, and it's actually come down to a pickup. So you, so you nailed it right on the head. Um, 
we can maybe just start and we can let Chuck fill in the blanks when he comes back. But uh, that's what I, that's what I'm looking at right now. Um, so yeah, you, you nailed that right on the head. So what do you think? You think Philly, you think Philly can overcome? It's actually, so it's gone down to a pick 'em right now, Nick. So what do you think? Yeah, to pick 'em, I think I'll take the Eagles on the road. I, it's not like I think they're a great team, but I think they're a little bit better than the Lions. So even though they're on the road, I'll also give Philly, even if it is Mark Sanchez coming back, which is up in the air. Yeah, this is a tough one because I just you don't know how these teams are going to match up against each other. And after what we saw the the um, excuse me the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers do to Philly, that game was in Philly last week, right? Uh, I believe so, wasn't it? I, I thought it was, but that was that was absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, that game was in Philadelphia last week. I just could not believe that. So I, I just don't know, you know, you and Chuck are firm, firm believers and you stick with the hot team. I think I got to stick with uh, Detroit, even though, I mean, they've rattled off a couple of victories in a row. So I guess you can say they're hot. And one of those was against uh, green Bay and uh, they took down what I consider to be an, a decent Oakland offense. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, excuse me. I'm going to go with Detroit in this one. Since it's just to pick them, is that Chuck there? One second, Chuck, are you there? Hey, you guys, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We I'm actually calling you. My... I'm actually like calling you live. Uh, I'm calling you live from the uh, from the offices of Segway Las Vegas. I just got done doing a tour, and uh, uh, supposed to be 74 degrees here today. So I, I guess I got nothing on Nick, but maybe on you, Josh. Oh yeah, you got it. You got about uh, twice the degrees on me, so we'll say it. Maybe even more. I think it's. I think the high here is 34. Yeah, we have no snow football games in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, looks. Sounds like I got to catch up with you guys real quick here, don't I? We. No, that's okay. We actually just started, so uh, I saw Nick. I, I made Nick predict predict it, and he, and he almost had it right on the head. The first spread. What I had for the first game was uh, was um, was actually a pick'em. It was a point and a half yesterday for for uh, Philadelphia, but now now we got a pick'em here with the first one. So you're uh, exactly Nick right. Yeah, Nick took Philly and I took Detroit. So what do you got? Oh, you can't you can't go against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Come on, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to I'm going to go ahead and take the Lions just because they're playing really good ball. Uh uh I like to go with the hot team and then especially on on Thanksgiving, I don't know how the Lions can lose. So, I'm going to go ahead and go with Detroit. All right, Chuck, well, what do you got for us on uh Carolina? The undefeated Carolina Panthers at the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, this one was a pick 'em and the Panthers are now favored by 1 point over the Cowboys. And uh did you guys already pick this one? No, we didn't. No, we just started the first. Oh, good. One, so we haven't. Okay, good. Well, I uh, oh, go ahead, Josh. God, does this seem too easy? Carolina has to win by one point. I, I know, I know Dallas plays good on Thanksgiving, but the, I and I and I know Romo's got a game under his belt. But everybody in the world, Cowboys Nation, thinks this thing is fixed. But Carolina is a team on a mission right now, and I. 
I know going undefeated isn't their ultimate goal, but I just don't see. I don't see it at all, and I they only have to win by a point. I, I feel ultra safe taking Carolina this game. I don't think there's going to be any weird happenings. This team is this team is a, a conservative, bold offense that they. They they they're not bold in the sense where they where they take chances, but they just know what they want to do and they get it done. So they just they put it out there and uh, good luck, Dallas. So I I, I got to take care of that. Nick. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Dallas, they're they're better now that Tony Romo's back, but they're not good enough to knock off an undefeated team like the Carolina Panthers, even though they're at home and even though it's Thanksgiving. I, I you know I would guess that now that there's so many Thursday games, I would think that that uh, Thanksgiving home edge that the Lions and the Cowboys have might be a little less than it used to be. So I'm going to go with Carolina. Well, anybody who read Chuck's choices last week knows that I, I started out, I, I took the uh, the Redskins, and I said, I swear to goodness, if I I will never go against the Panthers again. And, and, and here we are um, on Thanksgiving Day, and I'm going to go ahead and take the Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys are the Cowboys are every game until they lose a game and maybe even if they lose even if they lose one every game is a must game for the Cowboys. I mean they have to win every game to have any hope of uh, of going to the playoffs and now that uh, now that Romo is back they don't have any more excuses. So I I say the Cowboys win on Thursday over the Panthers and and hand them the first loss. I mean, you know, the Panthers got to let up somewhere and and maybe this is the week. Oh, I don't know. They want national recognition. What a great chance to do it. Um Mhm. Your you get to pick first this next one. Your Chicago Bears, Chuck, at the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, this one is nine. Packers favored by nine. Uh pretty much has stayed there. I'm uh divisional game, you know, even though the Packers looked great last Sunday, uh the Bears have a little bit of payback. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bears plus nine. How how can I resist that on Thanksgiving? Uh, I I like the Bears too. I just think Cutler is a second half quarterback, and that spells backdoor cover to me. So Nick, what do you think? Um, Clean sweep. sweep. I just yeah, I just think you know I see the Packers winning, but it's more like a field goal or field goal or a touchdown. I don't see them winning by double digits. So I'll I'll go with the Bears to cover. I believe we swept on the Bears last week, and what did that get us? Yeah. <laughs> Although we it got was close, we got like one and we got like one and a half points, and they lost by two. So you know, uh, we weren't too far off. We'll be right this week. Uh, yeah, you know, and along the lines of that, one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about last week's game, uh, I should point out that, and, and I know hindsight is you know hindsight, but uh, the Bears, uh, with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, decided to go for it. On the te- uh, like on the nine, eight or nine yard line instead of kick a field goal. So instead of taking the three points, they went for it and missed it, and they lost by two points. Uh, I don't think we need yeah. a, I don't think we need a math athlete to come and do that math for us. But anyway, well, listen. Um, don't they know we picked them? I I I don't even want to talk about last week because in in my overall picks last week I was one fourteen and one. Wow. I, I mean, I could have I could have flipped a coin and done ten times better than that. 
So yeah, we're, I think we're, I was, we're getting well, and, and our sweeps that, were like our, our sweeps were like one three and one, I believe, or oh four and one. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, our sweeps oh, were oh four and one last week. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, I was I was yeah. I was one twelve and one. Yeah, thank God for yeah, the uh, thank God for that tie with the with that push with the Patriots. <laughs> uh, well, I was four and four and seven and one, so not not yeah, not too hot there. Yeah. That was a rough week. Uh, moving forward, what do you got for us on uh, Atlanta versus? Minnesota, Atlanta, yeah, Minnesota at Atlanta. Why don't you say wow. and then Nick, you pick first. The Falcons are still, uh, the, the people haven't given up on them. The Falcons are favored by two. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't understand that spread at all. I think Minnesota is by far the superior team right now. Even though they didn't look that great against Green Bay last week, giving up all those sacks, I think they turned things around this week and yeah, beat the beat the Falcons pretty handily. Um, I I think I think the the best matchup in this game is obviously the uh, Atlanta offense versus the Minnesota defense. But uh, you know the the flip of this is uh, Adrian Peterson versus that that defense, and I, I think. Dan Quinn's going to have some things in store for them. So, what did you? What was the spread again there, Chick? Uh, Atlanta favored by two. Two. I love it. I thought it was going to be two and a half. So, and I was going to take Atlanta anyway. Probably feel comfortable with Atlanta by three. So, I'll take it. Atlanta. Atlanta wins this overtime field goal. Here's a prediction for you. Uh, Cincinnati at St. Louis. What do you got for us, Chuck? You, you going to let me pick that last game? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, the Falcons. What have they done since the? Remember, they started out undefeated. What was it, five and zero? And then they got beat. And then they barely beat the Titans. And then they got beat at San Francisco. And then they suffered that uh, that loss last week when they were ahead by 14 points to uh, who were they playing last week? I forgot. It wasn't. Uh, Indianapolis, I believe. The Colts. Yeah, to the Colts. Um, the the, there, there's, two teams, there's two teams going opposite directions here. I mean, despite the Vikings' loss to the Packers last week, um, <laughs> as the Vikings are just the better team, they're getting two points. So I'm going to go ahead and take Minnesota. Uh, okay. Not a clean oh, and there. The, uh, the Bengals? Yeah, Bengals at... St. Louis. We have our second nine-point favorite of the week. The Bengals are favored by nine over uh, Jeff Fisher's Rams. <sighs> On the road. Oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. That's a crazy amount of points for to be a home team dog. And I know Chuck can play that Jeff Fisher doesn't like playing teams out of his division, but that's just way too many points, right, Chuck? I got I got to take I got to take St. Louis to stay within a touchdown, right? Yeah. You want my opinion on this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, you know, Jeff Fisher, I mean, first of all, he doesn't he, – he only gets ready for teams in his division. But right now, you know, like we talked about last week, uh, Jeff Fisher is heading toward 8-8, eight and eight, and right now he's two games down from being 500. So it's about time for the Rams – 
to win, and if they don't win, they they still have a really good defense. And I have you noticed the the trend here these days? Remember when when we had all those undefeated teams, and then the uh, the Falcons lose, and then they lose several more, and then the Broncos lose, and they lose a couple more. The Packers lose, and they lose a, they like three in a row. These undefeated teams, once they get beat, they're they're losing several games in a row. Now now the Bengals have lost two in a row after being undefeated. So maybe they'll win here, but I think uh, I think the uh, the Rams will keep it close. Nick, what do you think? Well, first off, did you say Cincinnati was on the road because I have them at home in this game? But uh, anyway, I, I'm oh, going to go with the Bengals. It is. I'm one? sorry. Yeah, it is at Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, you look at last week, the Bengals lost, but it was only a three-point loss to a really, really good Arizona team, whereas St. Louis lost at home to the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, come on. I, I just cannot in good conscience pick the, pick the Rams to uh, even come close to hanging with the Bengals in this one. Okay. I, one would think I maybe would change my pick after finding out I was wrong about who the home team is, but I still think St. Louis can hang in this game. Chuck, you want to Sorry to misguide you. Did you realize I was in the wrong there? Oh no, I was just uh, I was looking right at the sheet and I saw that the Bengals are at home. So uh, definitely, I, I I still think the Rams. Well, that's what I was thinking all along. The Ram, the Rams will will, uh, will somehow keep this one close. They're gonna they're gonna get Foles back, I believe. Um, their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that was an embarrassing situation when their quarterback was down on the ground like he couldn't like he didn't know if he was foot or horseback and then they put him right back in the game. That that was a weird one. Uh but I, I I'm gonna I Fisher will find a way to keep this one close. Okay, and Nick, is that a, Nick, did you take the Rams too, right? No, I took Cincinnati in this one. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I was already writing it down like it was gonna be a clean sheet, but um, yeah, I don't exactly know how the Rams are going to do it, but, uh, maybe, maybe Gurley just punishes them enough. So, uh, and, uh, the majority is, uh, is, uh, three, four Cincinnati on this right now. So Nick, Nick is, Nick is picking with the majority. I guess, uh, I guess me and Chuck are playing the sharp role, but after considering like what that. our records were, our, our records were last week, I don't know exactly how sharp we are. Um, <laughs> Oakland at Tennessee. I am right on this one. Oakland at Tennessee. Chuck, what do you think? Well, the Raiders are favored on the road. Figure that. Two points. Raiders by two at Tennessee. Well, it might seem like I'm going to take Tennessee just so I'm uh, happy either way. Uh, But I just don't like it when Oakland's favored. I don't think... I think if you look historically over the last couple of years, you know, the rare times that they have been favored, it hasn't worked out for them. You know, the two times this year when it's been favored at Detroit and at uh, at Chicago, this is the third time they've been favored on the road this year, and they're 0-2 with the other ones. So I, I got I to take Tennessee in this one. I mean, I – I hope Oakland comes out of here with a victory, but uh, you know, because the loss is pretty much, uh, pretty much a fork in their side for the season. But uh, I, I gotta take, I'll take Tennessee uh, plus the two, just because it, just because they're the home team dog, and Oakland should not be favored for the third time on the road this season. So, Nick, what do you think? Um, 
I think Tennessee lost at home last week to Jacksonville. You know, they they got a lot of promise there with Mariota, but they're not there yet. So I I think the Raiders are a slightly better team right now. They and they have something to play for, whereas Tennessee is just playing for the number one overall pick. So I got to go with the Oakland Raiders on the road. Well, I am going to take the Raiders on this one also, Nick. Um, how many times – this is strange. we got to talk to the schedule makers because how many times have the Raiders gone to the East time zone and played played the early game uh, this year? They, they, it seemed like they're always doing that. Um, they've got to be getting used to it, uh, playing at the, at the early hour on Sunday morning. Um, and I think the Raiders have a better team. I think they just ran into a hot team last week in Detroit, whose defense is playing very, very well. And I'll look for Amari Cooper to rack up about 25 points in fantasy this week. So uh, we will take the Raiders, minus two. Uh, could have used half of those 25 points from Amari last week rather than the uh, one. Yeah, that was discouraging. But, uh... Yeah. Well, when when I play uh, the team who has Cam Newton as their quarterback, then I didn't have much of a chance anyway. So, say la vie. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. My discouragement went away too uh, after I knew realized when it all was said and done that there was no way I could have won no matter who I played anyway. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. This is a candidate for a who cares game. But, Wait a uh, minute. This is this is Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll get it right. Tampa Bay. We're at messing up. We're messing up our it's, home teams I'm, this week, guys. What's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Not you, me. It's it's all me. Uh, Tampa at Indianapolis. Well, no. And then and then Nick just said that the Titans lost at home to Jacksonville, and it was at Jacksonville last week. But you know, nonetheless. Oh, my bad. I didn't want Nick to have any uh, any any. Be misleading anybody there. Okay, uh, Colts are favored it's by eight three at home. Eight o'clock in the morning. That yeah, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, in the morning I know. Is, yeah, that's excuse. right. That you have an built-in excuse there, Nick. Uh, Colts <laughs> are favored by three over the Buccaneers at home. What? Why don't you pick this one first and give us some of your knowledge about uh, natural surface? What do you got for us? You got the well, natural yeah, uh, knowledge. I, I looked at one thing. You know, it's this is a, this is a real oddity, but the Buccaneers uh, play at home on a natural turf, and they have won every uh, every road game that they played on artificial turf. They have won. So, just that thing alone. Plus, I don't believe in the Colts very much. I think the Buccaneers have the had the mojo going, and I'm going to take Tampa to. Uh, to win this game, I mean, I want to say win it outright, but I'll take them plus three also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're getting a nice gift there with uh, Tampa plus three. Um, I know the Colts are a little bit different team at home. They're a pretty solid team, but I think um, I think there's too many weapons on this Tampa Bay defense. Too many, excuse me, too many weapons on this Tampa Bay offense for them to deal with. That I mean, you got. You got to prepare for Sims and Doug Martin, who's having a hell of a year. You got to prepare for uh, Vincent Jackson, who wasn't even supposed to play last week and ended up scoring a touchdown. And you got to prepare for Mike Evans and maybe Austin Safarian Jenkins. I mean, this team is loaded. Not to mention, you got to figure out how to get this rookie quarterback off his game. So I think that's a gift plus three there, um, especially especially knowing how they do uh, 
on uh, artificial turf. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. You know, as bad as Indianapolis was to start the season, they've actually uh, evened out the record at 5-5 five and five now. I, they have everything to play for in that uh, AFC South, pretty terrible division. But I think the I think the Colts are going to win this one. Okay, so only, do we only have one clean sweep so far, Chuck? Yes, we do. The Bears? And yeah. the Bears? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a sad statement right there. <laughs> All right. What do we think about Kansas City hosting Buffalo? I almost said it wrong, but Buffalo at Kansas City. Chiefs are three and a half point favorites here. Three and a half. Wow. I saw five yesterday, so I would. I got no problem giving up three and a half because I think this is. Uh, Casey at home. Obviously, they're they're hot right now. Rattling enough four straight wins and getting themselves really back in the playoff talk. Uh, as Nick pointed out earlier, they're a potential wild card now after they looked like they were going to be down down and out for the year. So, I got to take Kansas City. Uh, you said three and a half. Yes. Kansas City minus three and a half. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair one, especially at home. And uh, Buffalo has had Kansas City's number the last couple of years, and I think uh, I think those veteran players in Kansas City will remember that. So I think this is a this is a potential blowout there for Kansas City. I think they could really give it to them, especially after Buffalo played on Monday night. A little bit of a hangover there. So Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. Like you said, Kansas City's red hot. They've won four games in a row. They're playing at home, which Arrowhead's one of the toughest places for a team to go in and play. And Buffalo just did not look very impressive to me on Monday night. I I think I heard uh, Tyrod Taylor's dealing with somewhat of a shoulder injury, so he's not 100%. So I definitely have to go with Kansas City. Well, guys, I'm going to make this a clean sweep because the – the Bills, I mean, Nick brought out a good point. They didn't look good, but uh, also Tyrod Taylor is nursing that shoulder injury. Um, the Chiefs are one of the hottest teams in the league. And, and look at the, who the Bills have played the last couple of weeks. Two of, their, uh, two of their chief rivals in the AFC East, they played the Jets, then they played the Patriots. And, you know, the Chiefs played the Broncos, and then they played the Chargers, but they blew both of them out on the road. Now they're coming back home to Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, I'll look for the Chiefs. You know, you hate to give up that hook at three and a half, but I think, you know, the Chiefs are just on a roll, and uh, how do you go against them right now? Yeah, and like I said, I've seen that I've seen that spread as high as five, so if there's some other places thinking of thinking it's going to be more than that, and you're getting three and a half even though there's a hook on there, I think I think you gotta you got to jump on that. Um, the Jets? At the Jets hosting Miami. My gosh, what is wrong with me? I'm sorry, Miami hosting the Jets. No, the we've Jets got the uh, Miami. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, the Jets. Uh, when it's I picked up the sheet favorite. last night, when I picked up the sheet last night, it was three and a half, but it's now four. Jets favored by four over the Dolphins. Uh, Nick, go ahead and go first, since I'm clearly not on my game today. Well, I know the Dolphins are a little bit better with Dan Campbell as head coach. It looked initially like they would be much improved, but it's kind of fallen back down to earth a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Jets on this one. Uh, I'm going to agree. The Jets need to get a win. 
And if they can do that at the expense of a divisional opponent, I think they're going to going to use everything in their power to get a win. They need this. This ship looked like it's been sinking pretty bad the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, Revis is out potentially out with a concussion. So that's that's, that's a, certainly a story to think, a story to follow here. Um, what was the spread again there, Chuck? Four points. Four points. That seems like a lot, but I. I I feel uh, I feel they'll be ready for this one, and they're going to have some defensive answers there for uh, for Miami, even if Revis is out. So I, I I'll take the Jets minus the four. Well, I just watched the Jets against the Texans last week, and I just don't think they're playing good football right now. And I, uh, you know, even though the Dolphins lost to the uh, to the Cowboys, they 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 played their hearts out. And I think they'll continue to do that. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the four points, as you say. That's that's a gift to me. Probably end up the Jets winning by a field goal or something like this. But I just don't. I don't see any fire in the Jets these days. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Okay. Uh, ooh, Nick gets to go first here as the Giants visit his Washington Redskins. So the New York Giants at the Washington Redskins. If you're going to take the Giants, you need to give them two points. Two points is it? So the... This is at Washington, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's at Washington, but I have a feeling it's going to be the Giants home away from home this week. So i got to go with the New York Giants. The Redskins just look in disarray right now. i got to go Washington. I, I I don't know, and I've had a couple of bad weeks in pick, picking these games anyway. But I just I think they're a different team at home. I re, I really do. So I'm gonna I I was really hoping that we'd get a clean sweep out of this one. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Washington, and not just because Nick took my Raiders, but I just think Washington is a different team at home. And Eli's looked kind of weird on the road this year, so I'm gonna take Washington. Nick, Chuck, what do you think? Yeah, it's a big divisional game, and, uh, you know, I hate to – I don't want to bag on Nick right here, but we can't – you know, on the Redskins, we can't go by what they did last week. I mean, look at what they did the week before. Wasn't that the week that they blew out the Saints, you know? So everybody's mm-hmm. thinking they're, they're, uh, they're uh, quote, no pun intended, giant killers here. Um, in a divisional game, the Redskins get back at home. I, 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 I just uh, – I, I, uh, I see a Redskins win. All right. It's pretty hard for us for Chuck not to pick Washington, too. I feel like he's picked Washington a lot this year. Um, yeah, I think the, I picked him last get, week against the Panthers, and I paid the price. So, But I'm, I'm, I know they're going to win this week. <laughs> all right. Finally, we get to our Who Cares game of the week. Uh, Jacksonville hosting the San Diego Chargers. Oh, I thought you were you were going right to Monday night there. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That's, well, that's the who cares main event. I mean, this is just on the card. Um, uh, okay, if you if you want to take the Jaguars in this game, you got to give up four points. That seems like a lot, but if I was to tell you that this point of the season, Jacksonville would have more wins than the San Diego Chargers, you would you would have been like, I'll, well, I'll, I'll take that bet. I'll, I'll bet you anything that San Diego has more wins than Jacksonville at this point in the season. Well, that's not the case. 
Uh, I think San Diego is currently the worst team in the NFL. If the, if the draft was today, or maybe 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 Tennessee holds holds the kicker, but the, we're talking about the two, you know, one of the one of the two worst teams in the NFL. This San Diego defense, I've been saying it for weeks. I'm going to say it again. The San Diego defense is bleeping terrible. Blake Boyles has been putting up fantasy numbers like crazy this year. Only four points. Really only four points? All right. Yeah, I'll, ta- I'll take Jacksonville minus the four, and I'm going to make that my lock of the week in the Who Cares undercard. Nick, what do you think? Well, you mentioned how bad San Diego's defense has been. Their offense hasn't been a lot better. Uh, no, Melvin Gordon's kind of a bust. Uh, both their top two receivers are injured, so they're dealing with Stevie Johnson, and I think Inman is their other wide receiver too now. Uh, an aging Antonio Gates. That's just not fair to ask Philip Rivers to try to go out there and compete with that team. So, you know, not only does Jackie will have more wins, they have twice as many wins as the Chargers do right now. So I'm going to go with the Jaguars. San Diego's also missing a couple offensive linemen, too. So, yeah. Chuck, what do you Yeah. Got? Well, uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers here. Uh, they are beat up on the offensive line there. You know, I, I've got a bone to pick also. Uh, you know, I had Stevie Johnson on my fantasy team. And last week, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, when the, when the team gets blown out, you can expect a little bit of junk time points, you know. Uh, you know, chuck it up there and see what we can do. Well, well, last week with like like five or six minutes left to go, the Chargers were just handing it to Melvin Gordon. They weren't even trying to throw the ball downfield. And it's like, what in the world is going on? Now, now here's, here's my theory on this. Uh, a lot of times when things are going badly for a team, when they, and this is the only reason that I can give for taking the Chargers, but a lot of times a team goes on the road. They don't have that pressure in front of their home crowd. They don't have the home crowd booing them. They can go out and let it all hang out. So I've just got – this is nothing more than a gut feeling on the Chargers. I, uh, I, I think, you know, they don't do too badly when they go on the road and play in the Eastern time zone in the early games. So um, I'm going to take the Chargers simply because it's a contrary pick, and I've just got a feeling. Um, yeah, and we do mention often that this is a terrible team to try to pick on the to pick what they're going to do week to week. Um, yeah, you both of you who mentioned Melvin Gordon, my God, is he terrible? He is just terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, really sorry if I recommended him and you took him over time, Gurley. Um, gosh, I am. So well, listen, sorry. I it, it's me. almost like the it's almost like the coach was saying, okay, let's see what you got, Melvin. It's like this is a test for Melvin Gordon. We're not going to throw the ball anymore. You know, we, we we don't want them to score any more points. Let's give it to Gordon. I I I, I couldn't understand that. Where where are my junk time points? Oh, I know. I don't, Melvin Gordon. I I think it's been a few weeks now, but I think Mel, uh, Danny Danny Woodhead was actually at towards the top of the league in goal line carries. So not only has Melvin Gordon not scored a touchdown this year, he probably hasn't even smelled like inside the red zone this year. Uh, It's it's been that bad of a situation there. So uh, let's move on. Talked way too long about the who cares undercard. New Orleans at Houston. Saints at the Texans. What do you got for us, Chuck? Texans are favored by three. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. Um, and I don't exactly know why, because 
DeAndre Hopkins could have 300 receiving yards in this game, but I just feel like this isn't this isn't really a, an out of their element type of game because the Saints are pretty good on on turf as I play the uh, Chuck Podeski surface card. Uh, so I think this could be a shootout, and where you know people might expect the Houston defense to make a few plays in this game, and and certainly they might. I just don't think they'll make enough to to slow this. Down, so I I think it's going to be a closer. You said three points, Four. three points, three points. Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than a field goal game. So I think I think this, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints win this field goal. So I'll take the Saints plus the three. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, if you're giving me the three points, I got to go with the Saints. I think the uh, the Rob Ryan firing during the bye week I think could provide a temporary boost at least to the New Orleans defense. Just probably just a one week type of emotional lift, but I, I think the Saints will win this one. Yeah, I kind of go along with the with the Nick's reasoning right there that they just changed their defensive coordinator, and uh, I think you get a good defensive effort out of the Saints. And um, you know, it, it, it it's it's kind of creepy, but I'm also going to take the Saints in this game, and we'll make it a clean sweep. Wow. We all went against the hot team in the, in the Houston Texans. Well, if it, even if it is an interim, I, I would hope that their number one thing is how do we stop DeAndre Hopkins? Because that's going to be uh, that's going to be the big that's going to be the big thing they need to do. I, I, it doesn't take a genius to be think about that. Means that needs to be the first thing that they're talking about there. Um, Arizona at San Francisco. You got double digits for us, Chuck? Yeah, we've got the Cardinals favored by ten on the road. Crazy, huh? Wow. Wow. I I gotta stick with my guy EK saying under home team dogs more than a field goal cover two cover two thirds of the time. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take San Francisco just based on that theory. No really no really background, but uh I I, and I realize Arizona is a phenomenal team, and they will not waste an effort to, to bury one of their division opponents. But that's just too many points in a division game, especially when they're when that team is favored by so much on the road. So I'm going to take San Francisco. Don't feel very good about it. What do you got, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I just think Arizona's playing too good of football right now to not be able to beat the 49ers, the lowly 49ers, the three and seven 49ers. They can beat these guys by two touchdowns, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the with the 49ers here. I uh, they they can play some ball at home. They played their best ball uh, at their new stadium at Levi Stadium. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of a weird turf there, and the Cardinals may be slowing down a little bit. So um, the Niners can still play a little defense, and I'll look for them to, uh, to hold it within maybe, well, I don't want to say a backdoor cover, but maybe the Cardinals come from behind to win it by three or seven or something like that. But I'll take the 49ers. Hmm. Well, we all thought it was way too easy last week, and we took the 49ers plus 12.5 at Seattle. And that was <laughs> that didn't work out so well for us. Just just yeah. pointing that out. Just pointing that out. So maybe Nick's on to something. Uh uh but they're at home now, right? Um what do we got? Sorry, lost my spot. What do we got? Uh ooh. Seattle hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you got for us, Chuck? Seahawks are four point favorites. 
Well, I saw five earlier, and I really, really loved it. Uh, but uh, I'll take I'll take Pittsburgh plus four in this one. I, I like I said earlier, I don't think Pittsburgh has an answer for Antonio Gates. It's one of the most biggest matchups I'm looking for. Is uh, not Gates against Sherman or Williams. It's just not, or excuse me, Brown, Antonio Brown. Not it's not Gates, not Brown <laughs> versus Williams or Sherman. Just Antonio Brown, Mr. AB84 versus the Seattle defense because I just don't think they have an answer for him. And it's yeah, I think I think Pittsburgh wins this game. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I think Pittsburgh looks at uh, their division rival Cincinnati losing a couple games, and now it's a chance to actually, you know, if they can catch some fire after win that division up there in the AFC North. So I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think they're motivated enough to win in Seattle. Yeah, and and overall, I don't put the Seahawks in the same in the same class with the Steelers this year. Um, the Seahawks probably favored by four because the, they're rating them as two teams that are even, and the Seahawks, are, you know, get four points for the home field up there. Uh, and to to your point, Josh, even if they do have an, an answer for Antonio Brown, um, then Roethlisberger will just throw it to Martavis Bryant or somebody else. So uh, I I look for the Steelers to outfox the Seahawks and uh, to uh, at least stay within the four points and maybe even win. Was that a clean sweep? That was another clean sweep. Yeah. We're okay. catching up. Outfox the Seahawks. That sounded really awesome. I don't <laughs> oh, another <laughs> another big matchup here is uh, I love that the NFL took a, took a stand here and was able to – to change the Sunday night game, unfortunately, they should have done something about the Monday night game as well. But uh, New England at Denver. What do you got for us, Chuck? Patriots are favored by five and a half at Mile High Stadium. I'm going to take Denver in this game. I still I want it to be known that the Patriots win this game. But I'm going to take Denver just because of the the home team dog over a field goal thing. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be, you know, in recent weeks, and I think Chuck brought it up too, uh, you know, I know New England's bye was really early on the season, but they, they, they aren't blowing people out like they were early on in the season anymore. And not that I don't think they will, you know, I would not be surprised at all if they win this by 10, 10, 14 points. But I think, I think Denver tries to control this game as much as possible, and they keep it within five. But I still say New England wins. So it's five and a half. So I'll take I'll take Denver plus the five and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think for all the love that Brock Osweiler is getting right now, the fact is he only led the Broncos to 17 points last week. So, I mean, that's not going to be near enough to come within five and a half points of the Patriots. So I got to go with New England. I couldn't wait to get to this game. Um, you know, I don't know what to think of the Patriots anymore. I've got Tom Brady as my quarterback in fantasy, and he's just, you know, even though he's not been bad, he hasn't been spectacular the last few weeks. The Patriots have a lot of injuries. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how that's going to affect him. I do know one thing, and that's the fact that, you know, when you when you look at new quarterbacks coming in, and we, we talked about this last week, Brock Osweiler was coming in, and I figured – that John Fox would know everything about Osweiler and the Bears could handle him, but apparently not. But 
Uh, Bill Belichick has a has an entire game of film on Brock Osweiler now, and I don't know. It, it, uh, Bill Belichick seems to make a living out of making new quarterbacks look like fools. And, and uh, if it were the first game for Osweiler against the Patriots, they might have a chance. But I think Bill Belichick will have something brewing for Osweiler, and uh, I don't think the Broncos will score much. The Patriots just need to score like 14 to 17 points probably to beat the spread in this game. So I'm going to take the Patriots. Okay. The interesting thing, too, is we know the old adage is to beat Brady, you got to rush him up the middle. Now, Denver's got a great defense, but their, their, their uh, strength is certainly off of the edge. So we'll see if they can do anything – to, to funnel somebody up the middle. You know, this is, uh, you know, Wade Phillips against uh, Tom Brady and Belichick and company, too. That's that's an interesting matchup. What what a great Sunday night match we have. Um, but let's talk about this Monday night game. I hope you guys are ready. Um, I wanted to – I need the Michael Buffer clip loaded down here. Let's get ready to rumble as Cleveland hosts the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. What do you got for Chuck? Yeah, this this game is a good get for ESPN, huh? <laughs> oh. Um the 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 uh, Cleveland Browns uh, started out as two and a half point favorites. They're now two point favorites over the Ravens. Mm, this could be uh Josh McCown on one leg versus Matt Schaub. If Manzel is actually Suspend or you know benched for partying, but uh, oh, what was the spread? I'm sorry, I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Browns, the Browns by two. Oh, wounded oh, and, dog. And Josh, Josh. By the way, this is at Cleveland. Oh, did I say it wrong? No, no, I was just reminding you. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. I guess I'll take Cleveland. Maybe, maybe those, maybe those uh, Smurfs that the Cleveland Browns call wide receivers do enough against this battered Baltimore defense. So I guess, I guess I'll take Cleveland. Nick, what do you got? Uh, I can't believe that Matt Schaub's still in the NFL. As bad as he was looked for what the last three seasons, and he still has a job. I just don't get it. I think, uh, I think. Josh McCown and Johnny Manziel could show up drunk to this game and <laughs> Browns still win it by a field goal. So I'm going to go with Cleveland. Well, I think the dog pound is going to go home hungry uh, on Monday night. I am going to take the Ravens simply because new beginnings. They're on the road. They get away from their home crowd, kind of like the, uh, I don't know, who was it I picked on that theory earlier, Dolphins uh, or Chargers. Uh, anyway, I'm just I'm just going to take the Ravens, just because they get points on Monday night, and no, not any other reason. Okay. Uh, well, that was an awful way to end the podcast. <laughs> we had to pick that game. Uh, yeah, it kind of leaves uh, a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yes. Interesting footnote. This is something to ponder. I, and I think there was two of them, almost. And it's not Sister Christian Ponder, but Matt Schaub was one of two NFL players to finish the year last year. I think there was two with negative fantasy points. 
the Oakland coaching regime, who was obviously no longer there, took it upon themselves to run a fake field goal in which Matt Schaub threw an INT, so he finished the season with negative fantasy points last year. Um, We'll see if he finishes with positive points after one week as the starter there in Baltimore. Oh, good Lord. They need to, they got to have a better, younger option. I don't think they have another guy on their active roster right now. So we'll see who they promote from the practice staff. But it's not like anybody's paying attention to that fantasy-wise. So uh, that is all we have for you today. Uh, as always, Chuck, thank you for joining us here on this early, early podcast. Yeah. Today. Maybe that's hey, listen. My game. You know, I want to uh, I want to thank once again the, the Segway Las Vegas for letting me using their conference room and their uh, and their phone here as we uh, try to get things ready for the holidays. So, uh, if anybody's coming to Las Vegas, book a Segway tour. I'll be your tour guide, and we'll look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Thank you, Chuck, and have a happy Turkey Day. Yeah, have a great holiday, you guys. Okay. Oh, I wanna wanna thank the the awesome. New Orleans band Curl Bar for giving us this little little fade in as we uh, fade out here during uh, during this Turkey Day week. Uh, Nick, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, just real quick on that Arizona San Francisco game where the 49ers are 10 point dogs. Big reason for that is probably that the 49ers have only scored 139 points this season. To put that in perspective, the next lowest scoring team has 40 points more, 179. So. If anybody's a good bet to get blown out, it's the 49ers. But anyway, Josh, hope you and Dan and Chuck and everybody out there listening have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Big thanks to Mr. Burgundy. Obviously, big thanks to Chuck as well. Uh, Nick, thank you, as always, for being being the the co-pilot here on this uh, ship that we call uh, the Dynasty Pulse Podcast, brought to you by the Dynasty Football Warehouse. Thank you so much. Hope you guys all have a nice holiday weekend, and uh, we will talk to you next week at our normal time.